We hope it will function, but it's supposed to function because it has already uh, been uh, stress tested before. So today we have a very um, lively and very important topic uh, that will keep us busy, which is uh, stated evaluation. Uh, and particularly since we have a, a bit of evidence of two years of implementation that we can start to draw on, to draw some conclusions on how, where to move forward uh, in this agenda. We have a um, uh, sufficiently packed agenda, so I, I, I want to start as, as soon as possible with the speakers. Um, so let me give the floor to Gert-Jan Koopman, who will give some opening remarks. Uh, most of you, of course, know Gert-Jan, but um, nevertheless, so he's the Deputy Director General of the European Commission at DG Comp, uh, responsible for the state aid uh, uh, agenda and particularly the reforms of the state aid and the um, uh, evaluation schemes here. So, Gert-Jan, we're very happy that you're here and that you uh, want to address us with some opening remarks. Well, good uh, morning uh, to all of you, and uh, a great uh, thank you to Bruegel, and in particular to, to Reinilde for, for organizing uh, this event. I must say that uh, I am very, very pleased to see that what was uh, an idea, basically, back in uh, 2012, when we uh, set off designing state aid modernization uh, with a small team at the time headed by Nicola, who is sitting here on my right-hand side, uh, and, and, and start discussing evaluation as a, as a tool for, for better evidence-making policy-making, also in the context of, uh, of state aid control, we, we could not really envisage that um, we would be sitting here today with a good two years of actual evaluation uh, behind our belt and uh, from the look uh, around us, quite a, a lively interest uh, not just amongst academics, because some of you were there when we discussed this in 2012 at the first workshop in Bruegel. The largely academic community uh, was participating, but I see many familiar faces and practitioners from member states here, here as well. So from my perspective, that uh, is, uh, is extremely uh, encouraging. I should like to say that the basic idea underlying uh, 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 the integration of evaluation requirements into uh, state aid control uh, conditionality is really very straightforward, and that is that ultimately what matters uh, uh, in state aid is the uh, effects-based nature of the intervention uh, and its assessment. And basically what we are uh, requiring uh, under uh, state aid rules now is for larger schemes that produce effects over many years and that are significant by virtue of their size, uh, these effects are effectively mapped and charted. Uh, the idea being that that helps us going forward with assessing similar schemes, but also, crucially, to help member states gauge uh, the uh, underlying uh, mechanisms better and to see what the implications are in terms of uh, uh, market functioning. Of course, our perspective in state aid control is uh, more uh, based on uh, the effect on markets, distortions of competition, a dimension of evaluation policies that hitherto has, has maybe not been uh, so much uh, developed, uh, uh, but it is obviously fair to say that we could build on a very rich uh, tradition, emerging tradition, uh, of uh, evaluation and uh, empirical uh, assessments that, you know, have developed uh, very significantly over the past uh, years. So, uh, in that sense, we uh, uh, do not claim any originality uh, but we uh, could capitalize on uh, an emerging and very strong tradition. Now, 
I think it's important to situate what we are doing in state aid control in a slightly bigger picture, um, uh, which effectively could be summarized by the term evidence-based uh, policymaking, which doesn't just underpin uh, our work in competition, but uh, uh, looks at uh, policymaking in the Commission uh, much more, more, more generally, is much more integrated now than it was uh, before. In a past life, I was a member of the Commission's Impact Assessment Board, where we believed very much uh, that these ideas should be uh, integrated in policymaking and associated with the better regulation agenda some, some five years ago, six years ago now. Uh, that uh, 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 was something that the Commission set out as a priority, uh, but which since then has been integrated, I think, in the uh, priorities of uh, President Juncker and Vice President uh, Timmermans as a much more pervasive uh, 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 principle that uh, is now uh, a mandatory requirement uh, also for, for policy development uh, more generally. Um, so evaluation has, has really come to its uh, uh, own uh, right in, uh, in, this, uh, in this context because the evaluate first principle is, as I said, now a mandatory requirement of policymaking in the Commission under uh, the uh, better regulation agenda. So when Mrs. Vestager, our commissioner, uh, puts emphasis on evidence, which she always does when we discuss competition cases uh, with her, uh, then she uh, situates herself in uh, what is now uh, a much more embedded, uh, a much more structural feature of uh, policy making in the Commission uh, more generally. So the question then arises, what do we actually think that uh, uh, we should be evaluating, but even more importantly, uh, what are the standards we set for evaluation? And as you know, in competition we've been with many people in this room actually working on uh, guidance documents, uh, which were published uh, not so very long ago, um, which effectively aim at ensuring that evaluation is not just uh, uh, a cosmetic uh, exposed justification or something that policymakers were planning to do in any event, mm -hmm. but it is actually rigorous and builds on uh, a, a, a decent uh, um, uh, assessment uh, in which uh, uh, careful thought is given to such things as the counterfactual and, and control groups. So the standards are quite high, uh, and uh, I must say from the 20-odd cases that we have been dealing with, so actual evaluation plans that have been approved by the Commission under uh, uh, state aid decisions, I can tell you that uh, discussions with member states have not always been easy, but have always been uh, constructive, and I believe that the uh, evaluation plans that uh, are out there now for schemes that are ongoing uh, will provide a very rich uh, uh, set of uh, indications as to what the bulk of uh, uh, big state aid schemes is actually delivering, not just in terms of value for money, although that is very important, but also in terms of uh, market uh, effects. So in internal uh, discussions, I often uh, compare uh, uh, these evaluation plans with uh, sleepers. For those of you who follow spy novels, sleepers are these agents that are dropped in member states and go undercover for a number of years, are invisible, but then one day they wake up uh, to uh, uh, take action. And it's a bit like that with our evaluation plans. Of course, it takes time uh, for the effects to be produced, then it takes time to evaluate. Uh, but eventually, uh, 
uh, the uh, results will materialize, and then uh, they will need to be uh, taken into account uh, in uh, policy making and in our, in our own state aid uh, enforcement. Uh, so, so it's very important to, to have this slightly longer term perspective, which in policy making is often very difficult to have a five, six year perspective is not straightforward. But uh, the good news, of course, is that we're halfway through and that the first evaluation plans will uh, uh, lead to uh, uh, first results uh, already uh, next year so that we can start uh, validating uh, uh, the validity of our approach. Now, as I've said, we build, build on a rich uh, tradition. I, I could say that we, in a, in, in a sense, benefit from a, from a late mover advantage because so much uh, had already uh, been done. But a late mover is not a slow mover, and uh, obviously we intend over uh, the next years to uh, further uh, uh, improve uh, the way in which these uh, evaluations are conducted. Big data uh, are now uh, uh, amongst us, uh, and we want to uh, be part of uh, this process where, where effectively we ensure that the empirical foundation of our work is, uh, is as rigorous uh, as possible. So with that, I, I must say that I look uh, forward uh, very much to today's uh, proceedings. Uh, I uh, wish you all uh, a very uh, productive uh, conference and uh, certainly uh, Commission colleagues will be listening very carefully to, to everything that you, you have to say. Thank you very much. Um, so I would also like to set the scene a bit for the for the workshop for today, the both sessions that we have. But for that, I would like to have my presentation on. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so to some extent, this, there will be quite a lot of overlap with Kirtian. We didn't coordinate, <laughs> but that's good news uh, too. Um, so. In terms of why uh, is this indeed uh, not so surprising that we have such a large audience for something on evaluating state aid, I think it's also a reflection of, of the changing scene for, for state aid evaluation. Uh -huh. So that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the context is indeed, I think there is on, on the one hand more demand for this, but there's also more supply uh, possible uh, for state aid evaluations. More demand coming from a search for new sources of growth in, in, in Europe and particularly innovation-based growth, but with also a demand for more impact assessment <coughs> of whether any public uh, instruments for supporting innovation really works. Um, so more uh, emphasis on impact measurement uh, of public funding on society. So that's the demand side, but also on the supply side, uh, there is more science available for impact assessment of funding. Uh, and this is partly because of big data uh, availability, uh, both big data as well as big data tools, but also methodological improvements uh, to get uh, the causal uh, effect uh, better. So with more demand, more supply, uh, are we indeed making uh, progress? Uh, what do we know now more uh, about the effectiveness of public programs and particularly public R&D and R&E, R&I programs? Um, are we making progress? Well, if we, so <laughs> why does this not work? Okay, um, so 
are we making progress? What do we know uh, now more uh, of this? So if you look at the effectiveness of state aid, well, first important issue, and also Geert-Jan already uh, noted, on, noted this, what effects are we actually looking at or should we be looking at? Uh, is it just more innovation, uh, more private R&D investment? So that's a traditional additionality question that we have been looking at in, in most evaluation studies here. Uh, but there is clearly more than just the effects on private R&D. Actually, the social rates of return we will be particularly more important because there was a lot of spillovers generated on others. Uh, we know that these can be multiples. Uh, we also know that this is typically where the market failure is and where there is more need for attention here. But how to assess these social rates of return here? So it's really assessing the social effectiveness of state aid beyond the private rates of return. And even beyond innovation, it's ultimately growth. Uh, but that, if we want to assess that, we need to understand better the path from innovation to growth uh, and all the inter intermediate um, uh, paths to growth. And even beyond growth, it's, it's welfare in general. Uh, and with welfare, that includes consumer surplus uh, next to, to other dimensions. But within consumer surplus, and that's particularly also certainly from a competition policy perspective an important uh, issue, it's not just more innovation per se, but if that more innovation goes along with more market power and um, even uh, future consumers will not be able to benefit from innovation, again, that's something we, we need to assess here as well. So what effects to look at, that's uh, already an important uh, issue we should be looking at. Uh, and then also, is it the short-term versus the long-term uh, window? Geert-Jan said already, for policy perspectives, very often beyond six or seven years, that's already a very long time. But we know that most of the innovation effects, and particularly the social returns and the growth effects, will take a longer, way longer uh, window here. And again, that's a challenge uh, that we will have to look at uh, to, deal, to, to get interest for the longer term window, but also to be able to assess the longer term uh, window as well. Um, another important issue on, on assessing effectiveness uh, here, once we agree on what uh, to look at, is uh, how to attribute really the intervention to the observed effects, so the causal effect of the policy, with the whole issue of counterfactual positions. We will, we will hear more about that in the second uh, panel. Um, in general, there are many, we've made a lot of progress in trying to get this causal effect better, um, better assessed with a higher variety of quantitative approaches uh, here. But what's clear is that none of these will, will ever be perfect uh, and that means that we need to always check for robustness with applying various methodologies uh, here. Another issue... Oh, oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> now I have to go back. Yeah. Uh, so another important issue, I think, in terms of effectiveness um, is... The question is really not just does it work, uh, but for who does it work and when does it work. So it's not just on average assessment of whether it works, but really getting way more insights into when it works, for whom it works, for which type of recipients, and for which types of programs. Because we already know from the evidence, and we will hear more uh, of this today, that there is lots of heterogeneity in effects, diversity in effects that we find. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and we need to understand better when it works and for whom it works. But that means that 
we really need to have a lot of heterogeneity in what we are examining, different programs, different types of recipients, uh, different sectors, different technologies. Again, these different technologies like digital and, and green, we will also be hearing for, uh, from more in the afternoon here, but also differences across countries and regions, um, and then try to understand better why there is such a diversity, why it works in which cases uh, or not. Uh, and similarly also, as already uh, identified, the dynamics of the effects are also important. When does it work in the short term versus uh, the long run? Another important uh, dimension of diversity of effects that we want to understand better is um, how important is are other policy instruments in order to get more returns or more effectiveness out of, of uh, grants or uh, public R&D support. So complementarity and substitute nature with other policy instruments. So other public funding, so the mix between tax credits, grants, uh, loans, but also the mix with other funding agencies, national, EU uh, level um, interventions and other instruments, for instance, like with the regulatory agenda or other competition policy instruments. But if we really want to understand that complementarity, uh, possible complementarity with other policy instruments, we need again a lot of heterogeneity and effects uh, that we uh, need to be able to assess uh, in order to get some better grips on this complementarity here. Um, so if, we, if, if that's really what we want to understand better, this whole heterogeneity and effectiveness, this will have huge implications for the data requirements. Um, data requirements in terms of the funding data, um, and it's important, uh, again, to, to identify that this, this thinking of what kind of data do we actually need is something we need to consider at the design stage of the program rather than uh, exposed. Um, because it will be indeed very important to have the right type of information already uh, as soon as possible. Information on the applications, uh, also information that you get from final reporting, but also information on the whole selection process uh, here. So the experts, the grading, the rejected applications, uh, all that really has to be already in place uh, at, at the um, uh, at the ex-ante before the program runs uh, here in order to, to be able to get as, as, as rich as possible the data sets uh, um, as soon as possible. But it's not just only to have the right funding data uh, available, but also these funding data will have to be matched with other data sources uh, and already have a plan for how to be able to match these, uh, how, how to deal with anonymity in order to be able to match is, is also uh, an important endeavor. And then, uh, of course, also open data available for uh, not just only the, the, the internal evaluations, but also for external evaluation, because that can bring on board also academic researchers wanting to analyze these data and helping uh, also to move the um, evaluation agenda forward uh, here. So big data requirements, which fortunately are also met with, uh, with um, better date, big data instruments and, te and technologies uh, these days here. But this technology is not very efficient. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think we are moving forward in the assessments of, of public uh, R&D and I uh, instruments here. Uh, of course, it would be really optimistic to think that we are already there after two years um, and probably will also be realistic a bit irrealistic to think that we will ever be there in the next decade, but what's important is that we are moving forward and that we can assess whether indeed we are moving forward with the right uh, speed here. So I think clearly the road ahead is, is that we should use way more these common states, common state of art uh, methodologies uh, and, and, and data um, 
big data methodologies, also open data and analysis platforms, because that will allow us to link better the, the different results that we obtain in different exercises here, and to be able to better compare so that we understand better that diversity of, of effects. Um, also, to be better able to identify critical local environment factors that drive some of these effects if we start comparing across more local environments here. And of course, also more mutual learning on methodologies and results here. So the way forward is really to, to have these open um, data and analysis uh, platforms here. And that's exactly what uh, uh, the event today hopes to contribute um, to this uh, road ahead. We try to do this with uh, two panels. The first panel will take more uh, the perspective from the policy level. We will have two speakers, uh, Nicolas Pissel. <laughs> who will give the, the perspective from the EU, uh, and then we have Theo Ruland who will give the perspective from the member states. Uh, second panel will be more the perspective from academics, uh, particularly also the different areas, uh, the technologies, digital uh, and green here. But actually, I think the major contribution of the event today is the, the Q&A and the interaction with the audience, because we do have a lot of heterogeneity in different kinds of stakeholders present today uh, here. Um, and what's important is actually is that we get interactions and feedback from that uh, wide uh, heterogeneity. So I would urge the speakers to be as uh, solicitating as possible to the audience for questions and responses, and also for the audience to be as responsive as possible to these kind of um, uh, issues that are raised by the speakers uh, here. So let's make this into the most interactive uh, sessions uh, that are possible here. Having said this, I'd like to start now with, uh, since I'm also chairing, <laughs> the first session, which is, is uh, as already said, takes more the perspective of the policy uh, um, levels. With first, we start with uh, Nicola Pesarisi, who is head of unit in DG Comp here, and we will give the perspective of the EU level, uh, and then we will turn to Theo Ruland. So, Nicola, now you can deal with this. <laughs> Yeah, try to learn it as fast as possible. Okay, well, thank you very much uh, for the invitation uh, to speak here about state aid uh, evaluation, two years of implementation. I think uh, it's fair to say that uh, there have been two uh, intense and rewarding years uh, for state aid evaluation, and I'm glad that we have so many people here in this room discussing um, this topic. Today, I would like uh, first uh, to recall uh, the basic principles of state aid evaluations, the rationale and the objectives. Then I will shortly um, go through the um, work that we have carried out so far together with the member states. Um, we will review our practice uh, and eventually I will sketch a few challenges and opportunities uh, moving uh, forward. Why do we need evaluation instead aid? This is a question actually which has already been answered by uh, the previous uh, speaker, so I will be very short about that um, because it's about recalling the importance of evidence-based policy making, but also to recall that uh, in the area of evaluation, uh, we build on the large experience that which has been promoted uh, by the Commission, notably uh, and in the member states, for example, for the use of structural funds. The rationale is to increase knowledge um, for now rather, rather limited about the uh, effective impact, the actual impact of the aid schemes and to push member states to improve 
the design of future schemes um, in the future. In, certainly, uh, we aim at gathering a lot of wealth of, of information and eventually to have the evidence which is necessary to uh, review our rules uh, in, in the future, as uh, Gertian recalled us um, uh, shortly um, um, a few minutes ago. Let's see. Okay. Let's try to go ahead. Um, Mm. Takes a while. Do we have a? There's two different arrows. One arrow goes one way, one goes the other. I'm trying the 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 arrow that goes down, but uh, okay, okay. I'm gonna go forward. If you take the same arrow, I think it's. Okay, now more. Okay, Oof. let's see if we can go farther than this, uh, slide number three. <laughs> anyway, um, I think a state aid evaluation is particularly needed um, in the assessment of large uh, aid schemes because those schemes traditionally have been subject to an ex-ante control on the basis of uh, predefined former criteria. Um, state aid evaluation aims at shedding lights uh, primarily on the direct effects, the direct impact of the aid. And for those, um, and to use um, solid economic methods and practices that exist uh, for those uh, assessment. And additionally, we aim at um, gathering evidence on the indirect effect of the AIDS, uh, what Renilder was speaking about just a few minutes ago, the spillovers uh, or effects of the activity, for example, on other firms, on the sectors, on, on growth. Eventually, the state aid evaluation aims at addressing issues such as the proportionality of the aid, so was the aid enough, or too much, uh, and the appropriateness of the aid instrument which was selected. Okay, great. I'm learning uh, fast how to use it. Um, now, um, state aid evaluation is a new requirement, um, as it was recalled before, which was introduced in 2014 as part of the state aid modernization. And here, uh, it focuses only on a subset of measures uh, um, introduced by the member states as part of their policy making. It focuses in particular to uh, large aid schemes in areas such as research and development, regional aid, broadband, <laughs> energy, risk finance. It does not address issues related to uh, services of general economic interest, uh, employment, and training. We can discuss whether that would be helpful or not, but for the time being, we decided to have a more limited focus at the start of the exercise. Um, the evaluations uh, will be conducted, are conducted by the member states themselves. The Commission assesses the uh, evaluation plans that are submitted to her by the member states, and we approve the evaluation plans. On that basis, we have a, a program for the assessment of, of the schemes. Um, 
In particular, to guide member states on how the evaluation has to be conducted, we issued already in May 2014 a methodological guidance paper setting the high-quality standards uh, with emphasis in particular on the counterfactual impact evaluation methods that have to be used by the evaluators. This is very important because we want rigorous estimation of the casual impact of the aid. We do not recommend a specific method, but we uh, want the method to be chosen in a way that fits with the program at stake. At the same time, it is rigorous enough to lead to um, helpful results. Um, who should be conducting the evaluation? Um, the guidance paper says that um, there is uh, no one-size-fits-all. Um, what is important is that there is a certain degree of independency between uh, the evaluator and the body that um, carries out the scheme. So we in encourage independent expert bodies um, to undertake this evaluation, and then the uh, reports to be finalized, made public, being discussed um, with the expert and with the civil society so that we can draw lessons from, from them. Um, DigiComp has also supported the process by um, having workshops uh, responding to frequently asked questions and publishing policy briefs on evaluation. Just today we have uh, uh, issued a new uh, policy brief on uh, research and development and innovation, which is posted on our website, um, um, try to gather some uh, lessons on how evaluation can help the assessment of this type of business support. So what is our practice so far? I think it's quite rich. Uh, since uh, July 14, the Commission has assessed uh, 30 uh, evaluation plans in 13 member states. Uh, we have already adopted 22 decisions in those, for those uh, schemes. And the total budget of the schemes uh, amount to 16 billion of total annual budget. This is, corresponds to about one-fifth of the total annual reported amount of aid uh, submitted by the member states to the Commission. As you can see, uh, inevitably, the largest member states are those that are most concerned by the evaluation requirements. Uh, France, uh, um, um, Germany, Poland, uh, UK, and, and Italy, but also the practice is um, covering a number of other member states, not all of them uh, yet. Um, focus for the time being um, are, um, uh, is on the regional aid schemes. So we have 10 um, schemes of that sort but also a large variety of other schemes, uh, research and development with nine schemes, seven broadband uh, schemes, two energy and two risk finance schemes are uh, subject to evaluation for the time being. This certainly reflects the start of the uh, programming period of the member states where regional aid schemes are the first normally to come to uh, action and being implemented uh, together with the r and schemes. Others are um, being uh, deployed on a, a, a relatively longer time frame. Oops, that was too fast. Um, what are the main issues that we see in the evaluation plans? What are we aiming at? 
Well, um, um, I think for the regional aid um, uh, schemes, what is most important is the uh, check of the incentive effect. To what extent the evaluation can provide us guidance on whether the, indeed the aid has provided um, the firms with the incentive to undertake uh, investment that they would not have uh, undertaken in the absence of the aid. This is typically an analysis that we perform only for individual large undertakings and not for large schemes which are particularly uh, important in this area. Cost effectiveness of the intervention, differences between beneficiaries and regions are other aspects which we uh, try to look at in conjunction with the member states. Here um, we have um, a number of schemes, as I said, uh, the evaluation plan for Portugal, for example, is a good uh, test case uh, in, in this area. I'm sure I can elaborate further on that, or maybe my colleague uh, Rodrigo Peduzzi, who is an expert in this area, would certainly be happy to answer your question on this, on this topic. For research and development innovation, one of the main issues that we try to look at is the crowding out effect that uh, research and development can have of private investment. We look also at the design of the measures and whether there are um, biases, for example, of sectoral nature that could lead to uh, a possible distortions of competition. A good example of a good evaluation plan is the one uh, produced for the R&D tax credit for SMEs in the UK. Finally, for broadband, uh, the focus is slightly different. Um, here is more on the impact on the market on services and prices, both uh, wholesale and retail. The uh, Polish um, broadband scheme uh, for the period 2014 and 20 is an, a good example in this, in this area. Um, what we have achieved so far? Well, it's fair to say that evaluation is now part of the stated control. Um, it's in a proportionate and targeted manner. At the very start of the process, there were some hesitations as to whether the way we designed the, the scheme was uh, maybe too ambitious or maybe too modest. Eventually, we can say that uh, with a bit of luck, we targeted in the, in the right way. And uh, so far, the exercise has been uh, proportionate and, and meaningful. Um, member states increasingly embrace state aid evaluation and start considering, but probably not yet fully exploiting, synergies with national requirements and national priorities in terms of policy making. In several cases, even for long-standing schemes, these evaluations will be the first ones to be carried out using counterfactual impact evaluation methods, and these are quite important to increase the standard of the quality uh, of evaluation. Finally, the quality of the plans has been improving uh, significantly since the very start, in, although improvements are still possible for some aspects, such evaluation uh, of the impact of the aid on, on the markets. Finally, um, I wanted to uh, take you through some challenges and priorities that we see moving forward with the state aid evaluation. First of all, I think, as I said, that uh, the evaluation methodologies and standards are already quite good, but there is a scope to aim at even better. In particular, there is no secrecy, um, the uh, secret, um, the, the, there are some challenges in, in drafting a evaluation plans and conducting evaluations, for example, the selection of the control group. 
Um, we aim at using peer reviewers in a selective manner to help member states improve the evaluation plans, including by testing different delivery uh, mechanisms. Setting benchmarks is particularly important for evaluation plans in certain categories, which are less standard. Um, and here we intend to do that in particular with the use of templates, uh, for example, in the area of broadband. Finally, reinforcing assessment of the impact of the aid on markets and on competition is our uh, priority moving uh, forward. Second point, um, extending evaluation practices. As you have seen, we have, uh, I think, uh, 16, 13 member states being concerned by the uh, stated evaluation, not all of them. Um, there is value, however, for everybody to start doing evaluation uh, according to this methodology. And we are discussing with a number of member states whether they will be willing to uh, uh, do uh, evaluation on some of their schemes. Here we have two instruments that we are uh, deploying uh, bilateral discussions with some of them in a spirit of partnership to encourage uh, them to uh, evaluate uh, some of the larger schemes. Second, uh, in our guidelines, we have also room to uh, identify schemes which are particularly novel and poses some challenges in terms of impact, and therefore that might be um, schemes for which evaluation would be, would be welcome. Last point, um, how to ensure effective use of evaluation for policy making. This is probably the biggest challenge because as Gertian was saying, we, we are starting now with the design of evaluation plans, but the evaluations will only be conducted over the next few years and will be delivering the results only uh, when, um, uh, you know, how, how we move on. So making sure there are uh, synergies uh, and bridges between those who are in charge of evaluation and those who are in charge of um, policy making is particularly important. And here we see scope for improving these uh, synergies. Um, in particular, one of the areas that we are discussing is whether it is possible within long-term um, uh, schemes, nevertheless, identify features that would be uh, available for shorter-term evaluation, in particular, also experimental type of uh, exercises, where probably we would not be able to draw definitive, definitive lessons, but still few lessons that would be helpful for the policymakers to take into consideration when they are considering the renewal of the schemes. With that, I would stop and I would invite um, um, questions now or later after the presentation of Theo. Thank you. So indeed, I think your presentation was very good in, in soliciting comments uh, and, and views, I'm sure, um, particularly also on this issue of bridging with a larger policymaking community. But I think actually that's also an issue that Theo Hulland will, will uh, address too. So I suggest we first listen to Theo and then we open the floor for uh, discussions here. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Reinhilde. Well, I'll try to manage this thing, but I have to push the, the, the lowest button, I think. No, that's for up. That's right for up and that's for down. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation um, and also for the opportunity to, uh, to explain and discuss the Dutch uh, evaluation practices in the field of industry and innovation policy making. 
Uh, and before going to the Dutch case, uh, I would like to make a more introductory remark on the importance of the issue. Um, we all sometimes uh, doesn't feel well. And when it's, it lasts for some time, you go to a doctor. Um, and then there will be an investigation. Um, and you get a diagnosis. Uh, if you are lucky, the diagnosis is that there's nothing wrong with your biosystem uh, and that you have to stop worrying and uh, go to back to work as soon as possible. Or if you have to work a little bit too hard, uh, the advice could be that you have to take a break and then go back to work. But if you have a disease, you get a prescription, uh, which can be a medicine or a therapy, uh, because your biosystem is not working very well. And if the diagnosis is right, and if you doesn't have a deadly disease, you can rely on that the medicine will actually help you to work better, to, to become better, and feeling better. Because the uh, remedy uh, is tested in a control trial, you can trust that what you get is actually work. If you have a company and you doesn't feel well about the functioning of the business system or the uh, market system, um, you can go to a government and you can ask for some help. Uh, and after you have filled in an application or you had a chat with a policymaker, uh, you can get an advice that can be, well, there's nothing wrong with your business system. Uh, you have to work a little bit harder to, uh, to perform better and win it from your competitors. But there is, if there is something wrong in the functioning of the market or in, in, in the business system, uh, you, can, uh, you might have some, some support for the government. Can you trust that the public support uh, that you get will actually help you to improve your work? Well, that depends. That depends on whether or not the government uh, has adopted the principles of evidence-based policy making. Um, so that's the importance of having good evaluation uh, for uh, effective policy making. What I, if I succeed in pressing the right button, there's a learning curve because you also have problems <laughs> and after some time you managed in actually, oh, that's, Yeah, I got it. <laughs> uh, what I basically would like to do during my presentation is giving you a quick review, a broad review on what Dutch evaluation practices in the field of industry and innovation policy. We don't we not only have plans for evaluation, but you actually bring it into practice, uh, especially during the last four or five years. And we invested quite a lot in improving our impact assessment uh, uh, activities. Uh, I will say a few words on why we do it, uh, on the basic elements of our uh, uh, evaluation strategy, how we do it, what we have actually done and what it delivers, and finally, uh, some puzzles to solve for the future. 
which I'm basically in, uh, uh, in, in uh, ex ante evaluation and on more modern ways of making uh, policies. <coughs> First, why? Oh, there. I got him back. Well, ah. <coughs> okay. Well, the main reasons for the growing attention uh, in our country for policy evaluation are uh, uh, mainly three, three issues. First, first of all, you all know budget constraints, uh, a strong political pressure uh, to, uh, to have more insight in the effectiveness of policies because uh, uh, budget constraints makes you to make choices. Secondly, there was a very broad discontent among economists, policy analysts, accounts uh, of audits, uh, members of parliament, politicians, about what we actually know about the uh, impact of innovation policy uh, so far. So we installed a national committee of evaluation experts, independent uh, professors, who actually gave us some advice on what we can do to improve, uh, uh, what we could do to improve our uh, evaluation practices. I will tell you more about that later. And finally, there's always a, a Minister of, of, uh, of Finance who actually pressures you to, uh, uh, to, to, to give more information. Well, you can, you, you, can, you can do it better than I, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there are three main incentives for policymakers to do their best when it comes to policy evaluation. First, uh, we have an obligation to uh, evaluate, I think, in most countries, a subsidy scheme uh, at least uh, uh, once every five years. Uh, we also recently have a, uh, an obligation not only to do uh, policy evaluations of uh, single instruments, but also on the policy mix, actually. Uh, uh, so once in six, seven years, uh, there should be a, uh, uh, well, a more comprehensive policy mix review uh, on, uh, on uh, innovation uh, and industry policy. <coughs> And the third one, uh, which is uh, started very recently, is, uh, is a kind of sunset clause, which actually means that your subsidy automatically stops after five years. And if you want uh, to have an improvement from the parliament to continue, uh, to extend it, then you need an evaluation with evidence on uh, does the scheme actually work, and that helps. Uh, the next one. Yeah, we have it. Okay. Uh, this gives you a, a, a broad idea about uh, the, the key elements of our evaluation strategy. First of all, uh, having a good policy intervention theory. What's very important is that your, uh, that your monitoring systems are, uh, are of good quality. Uh, quality. Uh, and, and the main change we made some four years ago is, is about evaluating policy instruments, uh, uh, which came directly from the committee uh, uh, of experts I just mentioned, uh, headed by the late Professor Theos. It is the Theos Committee. <coughs> uh, and it, it gave uh, advice on ex post evaluation as well as on ex ante evaluation and, and actually uh, 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 trying to, to stimulate us to 
actually at ex ante uh, create small-scale policy interventions. We have some uh, policy experimentations. We have some, I'll, I'll tell you later. Uh, and, and when you want to have good evaluations, you have to invest very, very, very much in creating high-quality linked microdata. Uh, so we also uh, uh, cooperate with Statistic Netherlands and our implementation agency actually to link all kinds of data sets to, uh, as a basis for good evaluations. <coughs> um, well, the, the most important guiding principles is already mentioned are already mentioned is that uh, uh, we, we try to, uh, to to have more econometric uh, evaluations on, on, on instruments where that is possible, uh, actually using control groups and counterfactuals. Um, I'll give you some examples later during my talk. Um, uh, the, second, the second thing is that, uh, that the, the studies are conducted by, uh, are done by experts uh, uh, which are independent, with an independent uh, steering committee. Um, and for any, for any evaluation, there's always a plan to, of, there are also activities to invest in creating uh, uh, good link microdata. Nowadays, we start when, th when thinking about an evaluation, we actually start with a data assessment. Uh, and, and that's well. The quality of your evaluation simply depends on the quality of the data you have available. <coughs> uh, before going into the specific evaluations and the examples, uh, uh, I will give you an idea about our line of reasoning for impact assessments. We have learned during the uh, uh, during the years that uh, what it's that, that that you can for evaluation. Uh, uh, in most cases, uh, stay as close as possible to the direct goal of your instrument, the output of your instrument. Because if you want to have an evaluation uh, in which you also uh, want to uh, get information about the outcome, it is very hard and very difficult uh, methodologically as well as it comes to data requirements to, uh, we tried, but uh, to, to, to get some real impact, uh, information on the impact on the outcome level. I give you some examples as well later. Um, and we've tried to fill in the gap uh, between, uh, between the output, the direct output of the instrument and the outcome, because most of the instruments, you're not only stimulating private R&D investment, but you're, at the end, you want more economic growth and you want more productivity growth. Uh, the, 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 well, the way we work now, uh, which is basically uh, uh, dictated by the state of the, uh, the science in this area, uh, is that we measure as good as possible the direct output of the instruments and we use the general economic literature to tell the story about R&D and uh, R&D is important for productivity growth. Uh, for instance, and we can go to the next click, yeah, the next click, for instance, uh, the evaluation of our WBSO, which is a labor-based tax credit system to stimulate private R&D investments. We had, in the we had in the last 15 years three econometric evaluations carried out by different institutes, different methods, uh, and the conclusion of that evaluation <coughs> is that the WBSO actually produces additional private R&D. You can have a debate of two days with professors in econometrics and statisticians about the exact level uh, of the additionality. Is it 1.3 or 1.7 or 1.8? But at the end, the, the instrument works in terms of its direct goal, producing direct R&D. 
uh, then to the next cloud. And we, we know from the literature, from the econometric literature, uh, uh, that R&D is a quite a substantive de determinant of productivity growth and GDP. For instance, the whole study, we recently have conducted a, uh, a meta-analysis on, uh, on all the empiric studies on the relationship between the R&D and productivity. And we found that uh, also we, we can have, have an extended discussion with professors in statistics about what the exact level, but at, in the end, uh, R&D is good for productivity growth and economic growth. Uh, <clears throat> so the story is we have a strong econometric evaluation showing that WBSU produces additional private R&D investments, and we know from the economic literature that additional private R&D investments is good for your economic growth and productivity growth. That's the way we are working at the moment. <coughs> Um, well, a, 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 an, an a difficult issue is the time factor when it comes to uh, assessing the social rate of return of R&D stimulating programs. I think if we would have given a subsidy to, I think it was the company Lipton in the UK, uh, uh, to developing the first computer, uh, which was a computer which was used for administrative uh, purposes, or if we, uh, 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 which has been done in the United States, uh, provide a subsidy to uh, the developing of, uh, well, the beginning of internet, actually communicating computers. And if you had an evaluation three or four years later, three or four years later, what you would have found is that, we, well, re yeah, there is a new product, there is a new system. That is what you can measure about uh, after three or four years. Uh, but it was, at that time, quite uncertain uh, whether or not it would have been a, a, an economic, an, a, a serious economic impact economy-wide. Because, uh, well, th this, this, uh, this picture illustrates that if you do an R&D project, it takes you two or three years to, well, to succeed with the project itself. And if you have results, you don't have a new product. It, it, it takes, well, two, three, four years, if you are lucky, to develop a new product and to test it on the market and to, to get yourself a market share uh, and to convince consumers that the new solo solution you found is actually much better than the old one. So then you are four, five, six years later from the start of an R&D project. Uh, and the real economic impact of an innovation is not in the, in, the, in the invention itself, it's on the use, the application of the invention uh, of a new technology economy-wide. Look at ICT. At the beginning, well, it was a, 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 a funny thing, but now it's actually enabling uh, uh, economy-wide uh, all economic processes. So time is a very, very important factor, and it's for policy evaluation at the same time a very difficult issue because cabinets last for four years. Four years. Look at the picture, four years. It just has started with them. Private returns a little bit, social returns, wait for it. Um, so, and that's also a difficulty when you want to assess outcome impact of a innovation subsidy. That's, that takes, well, it takes some time. Um, and that you cannot solve even with econometrics. Uh, but so what, what we have learned from that is that we invest quite a lot in monitoring the path. 
in monitoring the, each year, is it, is it improving? Is it going into the right direction? Uh, uh, what can you say about uh, uh, the number of applications, number of patents? And uh, For instance, at the WBSO, we have evaluations for 10 years. Then you can say something about the impact of a policy measure. Uh, but if you are just starting and just, uh, you have to, of course, to evaluate things. It's not that it's, uh, 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 that's not important, but you have to, well, your criteria to, to judge a policy measure is different when you look, look at it it's from the start, three, four years after the start, and when you want to know the real impact. Then some examples. I already mentioned to the uh, WBSO, uh, well, the, the main thing here was, and was uh, especially at the first one in the mid-90s, uh, 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 the, 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 the most important effort was actually to link all the microdata together, including the text data. Uh, but now it's, we are used to it, and we have some, some different uh, evaluations. Uh, maybe you can go to the next one. Uh, and it shows a really good bang for the buck, at least for policymakers. Uh, Again, you can discuss the exact level, but there is some clear additionality from this uh, labor-based tax credit system. Uh, and, in, and in this case, we can even say a little, well, that you can say something about uh, the outcome in terms of that it also has impact on your turnover and, uh, and productivity. Also because we have a time, 10, 15 years, uh, a period of time we're looking at. Um, well, the policy impact is that you don't own, not only do evaluations to, because it's fun, but we also uh, do evaluations because we want to learn from it. So there were some changes in the scheme in the WBSO directly coming from the evaluation. Um, uh, and well, that's also our uh, evaluations for. This is uh, before the, the, the committee I uh, mentioned, the, the TAILS committee, but uh, anyway, it's. Uh, it's, it's an important uh, evaluation part. You can go to the next one, please. <coughs> the second evaluation, which was the first one, we actually adopted uh, the, uh, the recommendations of the uh, expert group, the, the national expert group, uh, is on the evaluation of the innovation credit, credit, which is a loan for developing new products in SMEs. Uh, and the main goal is to increase private expenditures uh, in that area. Um, what we did here is actually uh, uh, combining uh, survey data with econometric analysis. Um, we, uh, well, we tried to, to adopt for the econometricians, uh, econometricians uh, among you propensity score matching, but at the end we came uh, to difference to difference methodology. Uh, and the main reason for that is not that it's, uh, that it's not possible, but the data just tell you what you can do with it. Uh, what uh, delivered it? Uh, well, we also, in this case, get a, a very uh, impressive bang for the buck, I would say. Uh, uh, on total, our expenditures is about 1.8. Uh, and, uh, well, this is, in the, I think, the example in which the first time we, uh, we, we adopted the new methodology. And uh, we had lucky because, uh, as a policymaker, when you when you want to evaluate, and your first evaluation is that your policies are badly wrong, 
uh, well, it's not, mot that not, not that motivating for, uh, so we had a, a, a good positive uh, uh, evaluation and the uh, scheme continued. Another example, uh, but because not all evaluations uh, uh, come to the conclusion that a scheme can be continued. We also had a, uh, an evaluation of the innovation scheme on shipbuilding, um, and there were quite some problems with data and methodologies, but at the end we tried to adopt the, uh, the principles of the uh, details committee, uh, and we found hardly any, uh, uh, any evidence for additionality. Um, so the subsidy stopped in 2014 because uh, spending tax money and producing nothing is not a, a good thing to do. Another example of an evaluation is in which we tried to, uh, to adopt the, uh, the uh, evaluation principles of the uh, TEUS committee, but actually failed because the data uh, were not available. That's always a disappointing uh, thing. Uh, that's on the Eureka Eurostars uh, subsidy, we all know it, which tries to stimulate international R&D cooperation. Um, we tried a regression discontinuity uh, approach. Uh, well, you can go to the next, uh, to the next one. Uh, and we found actually no uh, clear quantitative evidence on, of impact on the subsidy. There are no evidence on the impact on subsidy. If you tell that to the politician, it says, well, it doesn't work. But that, that's not the conclusion. We did simply couldn't uh, uh, conclude on it because uh, uh, in some, some estimations were as a positive were more positive and some were negative and it's, uh, it's uh, well, statistically spoken, uh, we, we simply don't know. No. So we have to fall back on the old evaluation methodology and actually conducting surveys. Uh, and uh, well, they produced positive results uh, and we have now an initiative within the framework of the European Commission actually to do another uh, uh, Eureka evaluation uh, uh, from the whole program with all the different member states uh, together and we hope that we can uh, achieve the original goal and actually using their more sophisticated econometrics. But this is typically one in what we failed as a methodologist to have a good result for the evaluation. And now we have talked just about single instruments, but industry policy and also innovation policy is not only financial interventions. It's much more. Um, so we'll, we, we were very well happy, actually, that uh, uh, the, the requirements in our country changed from, well, you have to evaluate each single instrument to, well, you have to, in, to, 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 to review, to say something about the impact of your policy mix. Uh, well, excuse me for being this in Dutch, but uh, it is available in English. I don't know why it's in Dutch, but I can explain you a little bit more about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of policy mix audit. Some of the instruments are actually, uh, actually targeted on the, on the business system, actually doing more R&D uh, and that kind of things. Uh, but for innovation policy, uh, a company is not the only player. Uh, you need uh, also uh, good researchers from science and from institutes of, of applied technology. Uh, so some of the instruments are actually policy instruments interventions are more directed in, uh, uh, to, towards the science system, toward the education and training system, and to the uh, institutes for applied research. And one of the key elements of our modern in, in, in industry, uh, industry policy is actually that uh, you get the most of the results in actually interaction between the business system, between companies, and the science system, which are the researchers. 
uh, so we invested quite a lot in creating public-private uh, cooperation uh, in, uh, in, in, in research institutes in which as well companies as uh, public research institutes invest in doing this, their research together, public-private partnership. And of course, a very key element of innovation industry policy is more on framework conditions on enterprise. Uh, you're, you're, so you talk about capital market conditions, the labor functioning of the labor market, uh, you know, the functioning of your patent system, uh, public services as well, uh, fiscal climate and that kind of things. Uh, and what, we, what, 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 the, what, the, uh, uh, what you try to do in a, in a more comprehensive policy mix is that you take it all together because you can try to stimulate private R&D, but if you don't have deliver uh, the educated people from, the, from the, uh, the, the, the education system, or if you don't have the researchers or the, or the knowledge in your, in your knowledge infrastructure, well, then you can stimulate on, on, on one side, but it will not work at the end. So this is more about the functioning of the system, actually. Econometrics will not help you with this. This is so complex, so, uh, so what we actually do there is using the econometric evaluations of each of the separate instruments and telling the whole story. Because innovation and industry policy is also about changing regulation, better regulation, about, it's sometimes about bringing people together, more a process approach. It's not only about money, it's, it's uh, uh, and that you cannot evaluate uh, uh, with, with, even if you have good data. So we are now actually developing, uh, we are uh, working together with, uh, uh, with Harvard University on that issue, actually to provide, to develop a good evaluation system for these more systemic approaches. Uh, and the, the state of the, uh, the science in this area is, uh, well, is at the very beginning, I think. But we need, because four years uh, ago we launched a new industrial policy in which this kind of thinking and working is at the center, and we need after four years of evaluation. So we have to develop a new methodology actually to show the world what it delivered. And that's not an easy job. Uh, some puzzles to solve. Well. I think if you look at us at our experience from the last four or five years, when it comes to ex post evaluation and to what I would like to call single agent instruments, you have one actor, you have one intervention, you can get, uh, uh, you, well, it can easily be done uh, with, with, with good uh, econometrics and good data if they are available. Single instruments, single agent instruments uh, are. In, in principle, good to evaluate. But public-private partnerships is quite more difficult and an in more, in more comprehensive policy approach in which to try you to, 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 to tackle uh, three or four uh, goals at the same time, uh, some on regulation, some on human capital, some on R&D stimulation, and so on, and in which you have different stakeholders, uh, because the, the, it's not only the government who have to perform uh, in, uh, in public-private partnerships, it's also the private actors which you have to perform. They invest a little bit, and then the government invests as well. And so that's 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 very difficult to do. And uh, well, if there is any who can help us on that area, and actually, well, we have a methodology or a, or an approach which works in that area. Please contact us because we are uh, looking forward to, uh, to 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 get further in this area. 
Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just talked about ex post evaluations, but uh, we also have taken some steps in the ex ante uh, evaluation impact assessment. Uh, and we have recently started up some real experimentation, some real-life policy experimentation in the field of non-technological innovation, business model innovation, and servitization in manufacturing industries. The main reason for doing it is, is that, that especially the, the, the soft side of innovation or the non-technological part of innovation, uh, uh, we don't pay much attention uh, to in our policies because it's difficult to have a real rationale for governments to intervene. Uh, and we want to know, well, if you could try it on a small scale, uh, uh, is that uh, uh, what, what will bring, the, does it work to, to play a role there in that area uh, uh, by doing some experiments. We have also a, a, a specialized behavioral insight team which can help you to set up experimentations. And we also uh, use, as I think most of the countries, social cost benefit analysis because but the problem there is when it comes to, uh, to innovation policy is that you have to, uh, to measure uh, spillover. Uh, and that's a very difficult thing. The mo most of the time, the costs are very clear, but the benefits in terms of uh, social impact and spillovers is very hard to measure. And I think you can earn a Nobel Prize with that if you can solve that problem. Well, I leave it here. I think. So the main message is we tried, we, 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 we stepped into the, the world of better measuring uh, our policy impact. Uh, most of the information on the different uh, uh, evaluations uh, is also available in English, sometimes in summary. You can contact the email address, which is here on the slide, if you want more detailed uh, information. Uh, and I'll leave it here. Thank you very much, Theo. I think your presentation made it clear why we invited you, <laughs> because uh, I think the Netherlands really is a very nice example of not only having a well-developed and broad uh, strategy for monitoring and evaluation, but also implementing this. So learning from your experiences was definitely very valuable. I take it that single instruments you find already easy to do. <laughs> it's good to know. But that the more difficult one is the policy mix. But perhaps even the single instrument, we still uh, have some issues that we can discuss today. So um, again, I think it's now high time to open the floor for questions uh, and, and answers, hopefully, too. Um, I have to say we're web streaming this event uh, with cameras as well as, uh, as uh, with recording. If you don't want yourself to be uh, recognized, <laughs> then try to disguise you uh, and don't mention your name. But if not, uh, please, it's always helpful for us also to know where your question is coming from, if you can say where uh, exactly it's coming from. And they have to use the microphone. And, they, and you have to use, so here on the floor you, you have microphones, otherwise there is a running microphone. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. So, yeah, we already have. One question. So, my name is Jarek Duvarne. I come from Uzbekis, Finland, and and we we have a we have a we have done already. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, working with with uh, impact analysis, and uh, we have done several different kind of evaluations, and uh, my one. One point is that uh, that that this technical thing. You you should use the table mics, otherwise you cannot hear you. Okay. Thank you.
I come to yeah, sit very near to you, so. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I just wanted to say about this econometric-based uh, based, uh, studies that, that uh, sometimes it's, it's how we see it, it's, it's, it's one, one tool and it's not till, till all, and there is some kind of some kind of limitations of of econometrics, like like mostly what we have seen is uh, mostly linear relationship, even if even if uh, uh, mostly these innovations are not so linear or these paths or innovation paths are are quite quite uh, uh, non-linear <laughs> based, and uh, I think so. It should that we should think more also that is it input output or is it risk return relationship that we take take a risk or we share a risk and then what is a return and how to how to measure re return and also in in small countries it's uh, it, it it's different than big countries when we are think, thinking about control groups because uh, if you take a control group uh, in small country maybe there is not enough good companies how to 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 compare with those who have, have been subsidized and those who are not <coughs> and uh, and also uh, also this what what you told about networks how to how to how to build build up network analysis because for example our funding is mostly network uh, funding and and mostly those companies which have been checked is those who have get funding but not the, the network as a whole and this is one one problem with uh, with when we when we analyze the, the, the results also time lags <coughs> mostly what we have seen is the, the the highest is three to five years but for example we had now one one evaluation that uh, in startups it it takes it took more more than five years, maybe ten years, when they started to grow, and there was uh, some employment effects. Yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, for foreigners, I think so. It's also very important how we how we if we fund or try to make selection that we pick up those who who are who are those uh, which are in the in the technology frontier or near the, or they have a possibility to get, get the, this, uh, uh, or catch technology frontier. And, and, and then we, we, we have, uh, you know, how, how to choose that, can, do we choose those who are uh, getting new market sectors or, or uh, those new companies, how to, if you're thinking about biotechnology or clean tech and so on, and that, can we try to f uh, fund those who are catching or creating new markets? And, and it's also the risk, risk, risk there. And one, one when we're thinking about the risk, uh, I will, I will stop uh, quite uh, soon. But, but in in econometric analysis, uh, it's uh, it's mostly that uh, the that it uh, uh, there is an assumption that uh, this. Standard deviations should be low over time. Otherwise, it gives uh, uh, it gives um, that there is no statistical significance. But mostly, when we're thinking about risk risk taking, it should be so that actually there is uh, scattered uh, 
uh, it, uh, or shotgun <laughs> results that uh, it's like that it goes so that uh, that uh, mm, <clears throat> that there is some who are really successful and and others maybe not so successful. But when we look at the economic tricks, uh, what it what is assumption there, it it uh, shows that it should be that standard deviation should be low. But but from the risk taking point of view, standard deviation should uh, be high in the end. That there is those who are very very successful and some of those uh, fail and this is uh, this is how that there is creative destruction in the in the market so that was my comments thank you thank you very much uh, just like to point out you cannot only raise questions you can also answer some of the questions <laughs> that will also be helpful any more questions uh, i'm just collecting first and then we will uh, try to yeah uh, who is the, so the one? Okay, thank you. Uh, my name is Karel de Korte. I'm the state aid coordinator for the Flemish region of Belgium. Um, I have um, two small remarks or questions for the representatives of the commission. Um, we have not that much experience with these kind of extensive evaluation plans, uh, but we were starting to gather information and it, we did find uh, the commission decisions on, for instance, the RDI schemes but it is then not that easy to find the actual evaluation plans of the member states. Um, we asked the commission, uh, we asked bilaterally to, to some of our colleagues in other member states, but um, uh, we just received uh, the Finnish contribution of, of, of TECAS. But we, it would be interesting for member states who are planning uh, such evaluation schemes to see the full plan uh, of, for instance, RDI schemes for, for other uh, member states. So uh, if there would be uh, <laughs> other member states here uh, willing to share their plans on RDI schemes, uh, that would be very useful. Second point is um, we are planning, uh, or, or maybe we are planning an evaluation scheme uh, next year, uh, but it, it would be for a new AIDS regime based on the GBER. But the GBER is only active until 2020. So we were wondering if we are planning an evaluation scheme that for a regime that will probably kick up, uh, kick off only by the end of 2017 or, or 2018, uh, what is the timeline of, of the evaluation then? Uh, can we make an evaluation plan for long, longer than three years, which would be necessary to, to, to measure the impact? But what would we then have to do in 2021 when the GBER is expired and is replaced by another? Uh, do we then have to re-notify or, or uh, have another evaluation plan uh, if we would continue our measure based on the succeeding uh, GBER? That was our question. Thank you. It's a very practical question, but important. Uh, we had, yeah. Uh, Nicola Minasi from the Italian PEMREP to the EU. Um, first of all, many thanks for organizing this workshop. Extremely interesting, uh, enlightening. Uh, I, I would have, first of all, a um, maybe naive question. Um, all, all you say it seems uh, very important to uh, um, uh, apply also to structural funds. I, I'm wondering, uh, has the Commission uh, done similar studies on the use of structural funds? And in many cases, there are some clear overlappings uh, with state aid. And um, also, especially I think in the uh, research uh, RDI sector, uh, it's of course there is an obvious uh, question there whether uh, public money um, spent in RDI actually uh, pays off. 
And uh, apparently, as Dr. Roland also mentioned, the US experience is very important. Uh, we saw it for the internet, but there is a recent debate also on shale gas, for example. The US has been uh, uh, spending a lot of money at a loss for some time, and then uh, the uh, shale gas revolution picked up thanks to that. And uh, one proposal maybe, uh, it, it seems that uh, an area where it would be easier to start uh, looking for an ex-post evaluation uh, could be transport, uh, because uh, you have apparently uh, many more data there. And it's also maybe easier to compare among uh, member states, even if it's not one of the areas that is currently under evaluation. Thank you. So fair point to also look at the EU policy instruments. Yep. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Alessio Dignazio from the Central Bank of Italy. And let me say first that it's a pleasure to be here to this uh, interesting workshop uh, on a very relevant topic. Um, mine is not really a question. I just want to take the chance to give you a couple of words about uh, how policy evaluation can be uh, very interesting for a central bank as well. Um, as you can imagine, it's not very common for a central bank to be involved in policy evaluation, but in the Central Bank of Italy, we do a lot of research on this. So why do we focus on policy evaluation? Um, one of the aims of our research is to provide um, a lot of information, useful information to the policymaker on a, on a wide set of matters. And uh, clearly, um, uh, incentives are very important in Italy. As you know, Italy has a long history of regional divides, uh, very long history, with the southern regions lagging uh, behind. So while we spend a lot uh, on public subsidies, we do not know very much on the effectiveness of uh, these uh, subsidies. So uh, basically, in the last 10 years uh, at the Bank of Italy, we have been trying to fill this gap. We have produced a lot of papers on uh, policy evaluation, and we have been focusing on uh, um, different areas, uh, incentives to firm investments, uh, incentives to local development, uh, incentives to innovation, and incentives to improve firm success to credit. Uh, Overall, we find mixed results, and you can, you can check them out uh, from our papers. And concluding, I share very much of what you have said um, uh, today. And I just want to, to say that when we meet uh, policymakers and practitioners, we, uh, we never fail to stress <coughs> the importance of policy evaluation, which can only be achieved firstly with a good policy design and a good data collection. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Natasha Ranetti from the Greek Ministry of Economy. Uh, thank you for this workshop and the very, very interesting presentations. I have one question and one remark. My question is uh, uh, whether the Commission is considering any uh, model methodology for the evaluation. And my remark is that uh, when monitoring and managing structural funds, we see a lot of mismatches between DigiComp and DigiRegio. So I would like to request uh, a better collaboration between these two DGs. Thank you very much. Thank you. Just very briefly, Stefan Reis, Netherlands Pum Rep. Um, I think many speakers have put this, this evaluation approach very much in the context of the better regulation uh, agenda. Um, 
what I find very, very convincing and strong in that is, of course, that there is a feedback loop of ex post evaluations back into the system in, in terms of policy learning, also at European level. Now, I'd be interested to hear a bit from our colleagues from the Commission how that works. Uh, I could imagine that there is uh, uh, examples of, of national evaluation schemes like Theo has mentioned, where there is a convincing case that this is welfare enhancing in direct or indirect uh, effects. Whereas at the same time, there might be, from a European perspective, level playing field issues, which uh, lead to a different kind of assessment there. That, that is, I think, uh, uh, not just a theoretical issue, but from ex post evaluation, actually something that could become more tangible. If that were to be the case, my question is therefore, what kind of policy learning in terms of guidelines of the of DG competition uh, uh, that, uh, that could lead to? We have some more questions. So then I think we can try to go back to the, to the panel. So there were a number of important uh, issues being addressed, particularly at the EU level, is how can we uh, better have feedback or integration between the structural funds, uh, but also between um, the national schemes and the better regulation uh, agenda, what kind of feedback loops are considered. One other question was uh, the focus on, on econometric techniques, uh, quantitative techniques. Um, how can we complement that with other dimensions and particularly uh, to measure more the risk-taking uh, aspect uh, here? So who would like to? Maybe. The EU level is definitely addressed. Maybe I can start <laughs> and see whether others want to, to contribute. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe starting um, with the remark from, from, I mean, it was more of an observation than really a question from Tekes. I, I really welcome your, your contribution. And uh, indeed, uh, the, the exercise is not, is not uh, simple, may have some challenges, in particular for, for small member states, as you, as you uh, said. This is why we uh, enter in, in a constructive discussion with the member states when it comes to the advising the evaluation plans, because I don't think there is one simple uh, uh, solution, one simple method can, can, that can be applied that needs to be looked at in view of the availability of data, in view of the type of the schemes, when the results are expected to be available, so that can be devised something meaningful and, and helpful. Um, the, this, uh, there was a, a point about the time lag, lag and duration of the evaluation schemes, which also the Belgian representative uh, mentioned in relation to GBER schemes. Um, here on that point, uh, I would say certainly that uh, you know, the validity of a scheme which is uh, falling under the GBER is limited up to 2020 by definition. Um, so here, whether the scheme has to be prolonged or not should be subject to a, 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 separate, a separate discussion. Having said that, um, in the context of evaluation that could be done for that scheme, there we could, we could see whether it would make sense or not to have some type of results for that schemes available at the shorter time, while maybe other type of results, uh, maybe indirect type of results are available only at, or can be made available only at, at, the, second, at the second stage. Here again, I would like to stress that uh, even if the scheme is particularly long in terms of duration, um, and whether, even if the uh, 
long-term impacts uh, in terms of welfare, as Theo was uh, signaling before, can be only appreciated in the very long term, it is always possible to devise more shorter-term uh, expected um, uh, output uh, that you would like to uh, have a look at. And I, I really appreciate what Theo was saying about uh, keeping an eye on how the scheme works and not just you know, uh, um, uh, introduce the scheme, uh, uh, agree to have an evaluation plan, then forget about that, come back after five years and decide, oh, by the way, we have to do an evaluation, let's, let's look at the data, if we have data. Um, which is a bit too late, of course, uh, to be able to uh, gather any meaningful uh, solution, a meaningful result. So I think it's very important what Theo was saying, that we should have a continuous a type of look at the uh, how schemes are, are developed. Um, the Belgian representative also made an invitation to other member states to share their plans. I'm certainly in favor of that. Uh, it's a, certainly a topic that we can discuss in our multilateral uh, forum. Um, this is, as you know, evaluation plans are part of the uh, notifications. Uh, but uh, if you think that our decisions are too uh, succinct in that respect, it can be that uh, we shed more light on the content of evaluation plans in any case in, in the decisions. Um, I um, thank you very much for the comments from the Bank of Italy concerning um, evaluation and the activity you are performing in this area. I am um, um, aware that you, are, you will continue this, uh, this activity in the context of some plans that Italy intends to pursue, and I really welcome your involvement. It is an example of, of an independent evaluation that uh, uh, is, is done um, in a serious way uh, without necessarily um, you know, uh, outsourcing the evaluation to a, 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 another expert. Um, it's important, I think, uh, the, the link with the structural funds and our colleague in DG Regio, but certainly uh, Gertian will elaborate further on that point, but uh, we have been discussing this topic um, with our colleagues um, in DG Regio for, for uh, an, an some time, and uh, it was uh, clarified and agreed that any evaluation which is done for stated purposes is valid also for the structural funds uh, purposes. Um, but I'm happy to look at more in detail at the questions and the possible uh, difficulties that you have found in, in, in your area. Um, is there any model methodology? I don't think so. I don't think we have one model methodology, but we want to make sure the methodology that uh, methodologies which are used are solid and rigorous enough. So this is why we talk about uh, uh, counterfactual uh, um, uh, ex-post evaluation, and there are a number of technical um, uh, methodologies that can be used. Um, maybe more than one could be used because each of them shed light on a particular uh, feature. Um, feedback loop uh, on the uh, level and playing field, I think it's a, it's a very important uh, dimension. State aid control by nature is a balancing exercise. It's a balancing exercise between the expected positive outcomes of a subsidy program and the inevitant evident, uh, distortions of competition that they may uh, trigger. Now, I think today we still have a, not a 
very developed views on either sides of the balance. What are exactly the positive effects? Are they real? And what are the impact on the market? Are their material enough? So any work that uh, promotes uh, further evidence and better judgment on the two balances of the, of, uh, the uh, equation will make us um, in the position to be drafting better rules uh, uh, for the future. Thank you. Till. Uh, maybe uh, I'm happy that the most difficult question were for the Commission, so that's, all, that's always good. Uh, two, two issues, I think, I would like to give you my brief comment on it. Uh, first, the limitations of econometrics. Uh, I'm the first to admit that econometrics is, well, it's a tool, uh, and it has uh, uh, very limitations and difficulties and complexities in actually uh, coming to a causal effect. But uh, in some times, uh, you manage to to say a little bit more than just uh, the information you get from a questionnaire asking the participants if they like the subsidy or not. So it's a more a way of structure, structure, well, structural and anal analyzing uh, uh, the, 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 the effects you see in, uh, in, in, in the data. And you never should use econometrics in isolation. We also use it in combination with other methodologies, uh, surveys, uh, sometimes more qualitative information. Uh, it's, it's making a picture. Uh, it's like a, a painting of Monet, uh, uh, different strokes, and then you get a picture. Does it work or doesn't uh, work at all? And econometrics is a, it's a very important part. If you can do it, uh, uh, well, it provides you with more insight than, than just a questionnaire uh, uh, thing, I think. And it strongly depends on the type of intervention. Uh, what we try to do is develop in our thinking about evaluating more a kind of theory of change, actually, model concept, which means uh, that uh, uh, what you try to do is, is changing uh, uh, the behavior or functioning of a, of a, of a very complex system. Uh, and your goals are more in the, the midterm. Uh, uh, but what you even in a, in, a, in a new area, as, as in, uh, in stimulating uh, starting up companies or, or network approaches, uh, after one or two years, you have to see changes in the real world, changes in behavior, changes in patterns of co uh, cooperation. Uh, uh, and that's the first step to come more to the outcome uh, kind of, uh, of results. So what we try to do to build up a story in terms of, well, if you, the first thing in public-private interaction, that there is some real interaction between the business system and the design system, and that you see that there is a change in the content of the programming, uh, and that they work together. Uh, uh, so after one or two years, that's the thing you have to measure. Uh, and that doesn't, uh, uh, then you're not talking about real outcome, because that then, then the, the program is conducted, and some years later, while well, you have some results. So it's more thinking in terms of stages, in, in, in terms of uh, uh, patterns, behavior, uh, system functioning, which you try to change. Uh, and that's, that doesn't mean that you don't have to measure in the short run. And, uh, but you cannot uh, use econometrics for that. But uh, if you can, well, it's a, uh, uh, it's a good thing. Well, uh, second is, is on the, on the uh, methodology. Well, I think, uh, and, and must that be from the commissioner, uh, 
uh, uh, one methodology which can be adopted. I think there, uh, there is not one methodology for uh, evaluating uh, innovation policy. It always depends on the type of intervention on uh, uh, your, your role as a government in it. Uh, uh, and uh, it's more a kind of menu of tools you can choose to have a good evaluation. And sometimes you have to go for plan B. If you don't have data, you have to find an alternative. Uh, because uh, the taxpayer still, uh, and also the members of parliament, still wants to know, does it work or doesn't it work? So I would be very cautious with developing one strong methodology. You, that, that's, that's, in some cases, it's possible, especially with single agent instruments. But when policy making becomes more complex, you need a kind of uh, combination of different techniques. Uh, uh, which goes far beyond questionnaires on asking participants if they are very happy with a subsidy or not. That's the old world, and uh, well, I would not uh, uh, advise to go back to that. Thank you very much. I think we already had a lot of issues uh, that we discussed and that we can continue to discuss first over lunch uh, and then also after lunch. Lunch will be served just... Uh, in the opposite uh, room here. So use it also as an opportunity for raising questions, answering some, um, and come back with a lot of new ideas for questions and answers after lunch. Thank you. Let me thank the panel already for the contributions this morning, and we were looking forward to after lunch. <laughs>